Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent Magazine, with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, this is Miriam. Welcome to the latest episode of Apparently Speaking. Every month, a parent panel episode is dedicated to talking with parents on various topics. On today's parent panel, I'll be continuing the conversation on parenting children with special needs. This episode is sponsored by Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. For the one in five children who have learning differences and attention deficits, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their true potential. I want to welcome parents Dan Clapper and Megan Stroke to the show. So thank you guys both for being here. Thank you for Glad having Glad to have us. you. Thank yeah. You. So let's just start out. Maybe just tell us, tell me about your families. Whoever wants to go first, jump in. I'll start. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, my husband and I have been married about 18 years. Uh, we have three kids. We have Lily, who's in sixth grade. Jack is in third grade. And Ryan is in first grade. And Ryan is our child with special needs. He has a disorder called CDKL5. It stands for cyclin dependent kinase like five. Um, and basically it's um, it's a seizure disorder first and foremost, but there are also other issues such as um, developmental delays, um, hypotonia, some gastrointestinal issues, some spinal issues, just a, a whole host of things. It, it sort of manifests different in each kid. Um, and we've been dealing with this since Ryan was about eight months old. He started with seizures uh, and was diagnosed ultimately around his second birthday. And he's now seven. Okay. All right. And we'll obviously come back and talk a sure. lot more about him and, and your family in general. So, Dan? Yeah, I've been married uh, for 22 years, uh, my wife, Lynn. And we have one child, Elizabeth. So she's 12 years old and a seventh grader. And she was born with Down syndrome. All right. So when did you guys, and I, and I know um, I had Cindra Cole on earlier and we talked a lot about, you know, some of these issues that we'll talk about today. I want, kind of want to continue the conversation. And so when did you first discover, or you, you said eight months, right? Um, you, he was diagnosed. Was that right? Eight months was when the seizures started okay. um, and diagnosed first with epilepsy, but with CDKL5 okay. and around his second birthday okay, when we really started to birthday. understand the full impact of what we were dealing okay. with. All right. And Dan, when did you guys... It was at birth. At birth. So okay. we, you know, we went through, you know, of course, all the prenatal testing. Mm-hmm. There was one ultrasound, an early ultrasound that came back with some markers uh, that were a, a little bit, um, they were, I guess, cautious about, but we went back, I guess it was about a month later, four to six weeks later for a follow-up ultrasound. And those markers had disappeared. So we thought, okay, well, we're kind of in the clear. Yeah. But it wasn't until she was born, actually, really the next morning that, um, you know, we were we were told that they were concerned and they wanted to do some testing and that they thought that uh, she quite probably was born with Down syndrome. Okay. And so how do you you know, what are your thoughts like for both of you, like, you know, at that, at that moment or kind of when you're first, if you can, you know, remember back to that, you know, just like, how do you, what are your thoughts at that, at that time? Well, I can remember it like it was yesterday and I'm sure you can too. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I kind of shared this story before it was as if, you know, during when my, during my wife's pregnancy, again, Elizabeth's our only child. So, you know, during that nine months, month pregnancy, you, know, you you envision a lot of what life is going to be like. I call them making these home movies in your head. And so I had pictured, you know, her 
taking her first steps and learning to ride a bike and playing a first you know soccer game and on and on and on and I you know and I thought oh god this is really going to be great I, you know I can't wait I'm you know so excited we didn't know it was going to be a girl but but still you know making those home movies in my head and when we got that diagnosis it was as if those home movies had been erased because I didn't know anything about down syndrome and I didn't know what to replace it with and so those were some of those initial feelings um, you know, kind of just right, right away. Yeah. Right like this yeah. isn't at all what I had envisioned, you know, mm-hmm. what you had envisioned. And then like you said, I like that. You're just like, I didn't know what to replace it with. So it was just kind of like you said, it stopped at that yes. time. At, 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 at that, that time. At that moment it did. Right. And, you know, uh, one of Elizabeth's, uh, early cardiologists, uh, because as you know, children with down syndrome are often born with a, a variety of, of health issues as well. And, this cardiologist uh, told us, I think this, she was maybe three, four weeks old, and he said, you know, you, you and Lynn, you, and, you two need to take time to grieve. And what he meant by that was you had a certain expectation, and, you know, the expectation, you know, is, is now different. It's not that it's bad, uh, but, it's, but it's different. Grieve it, those home movies that you had in your head. Like you said, it's not right. bad. And, and they're obviously, and we'll talk about as we talk further, yeah. what it was replaced with. But exactly. at that moment, yeah, and that was probably very good advice. Right. He, he was just, he's just a, a tremendous physician and really worked with us, not just on Elizabeth's medical conditions, but on helping Lynn and I work through the process. Yeah, I I can relate a lot with what you're saying. Um, you know, I had three kids, age three and under, um, and when Ryan's seizures started, it was just the focus was put them on medicine and make them stop. That was it. And when they didn't stop, and we changed medication the second time, a third time, that they fin- you know the doctors finally said, okay, we're gonna have to do a little bit more digging. It's clearly not epilepsy in its pure form. There's something else going on. Um, and he was in and out of the hospital. It, it, it started what I think of a period in my life that I think of as kind of a black hole because we were surviving and doing nothing else. I had three kids, three years and under. I had, you know, the youngest in and out of the hospital. We had no idea what was going on. Um, and I remember very clearly going to, um, going to get a second opinion in Cincinnati and a doctor, before we had the diagnosis, a doctor looking at me very poignantly and saying, you need to prepare yourself for this child never being independent. He's never going to walk. He probably will never talk. And it made me mad. Mm. It made me so mad. And I thought, how dare you? You don't know. And I tell this story a lot to people that we know, but that was really the moment where I I had to stop myself from grieving, and I still do. I mean, I think it's just an ongoing thing. You're you're going to grieve at every stage of life with this type of situation, but I realized that in that moment, and I can still see the doctor's office very clearly, that I had a choice, that I could either continue to sort of wallow or I could stand up and start doing something about it. And it was that day that I stood up and started doing something about it. And that really changed the trajectory, I think, of our family's entire life because I didn't want Ryan to be a victim. (laughs) I want him to be a hero. And he is walking and he's doing all sorts of things that doctors said, 
you know, he might never do. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. wonder, had you not taken that approach, that mindset, if he would be doing all those yes. things, you know what I mean? If you were just kind of yeah. like, well, he's not going to, yeah. so we're not going to, but you, you know, you and turned it, it around and you and said, it, no, no, we're gonna, exactly. going to. Exactly. And it hasn't been easy. Yeah, I, I don't sure. want to mislead anybody into saying, you know, but I, I think you're right. I think another parent or another person might have said, well, all right, then physical therapy isn't really that useful. But I said, no, what, you know, we're doing this and, and he's going to be the best version of Ryan that he can be. Um, and so we sort of, you know, it's sort of over time grown into, well, what if he can? Like, I don't, I don't care that you say he shouldn't be able to do something or he, you know, the other kids with this diagnosis can't. What if he can? I hope you told that doctor, by the way. Hope he knows. <laughs> I, I haven't yet. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. one day. But you both are huge advocates and you're both, you both do a lot. I mean, both as parents for your children and for other, you know, children right. and families, especially you both, I know that about you. Um, both. And we'll talk about that um, some if more, I could just, too. Yeah, just interject something. Sure. You know, it's, I think all parenting is challenging. I, I you know, we only have the one. Uh, and, and so I, but being a teacher, I know that parenting is challenging. But, you know, you bring up a great point in, in that when you're in a situation kind of, you know, like we've been in, you know, it's, it is really challenging. It is really difficult. You do go into kind of a survival mode. And I don't think that that can be overemphasized. It it really is. It's survival because you don't, you don't have the knowledge or information to really understand kind of, you know, what's happening. You've got to get yourself there. And while you're getting yourself there, you, you're kind of, you're surviving and it's, it's tough. I know Syndra on the last episode, you know, she said for, I think it was like a year and a half or about after she found out about Eden, she said she didn't tell anybody, anybody, because she just didn't, you know, and now looking back at that, she's like, that was, you know, cause she's obviously, you know, very different now as a mom, you know, and she, she's very strong and all that. But at the time, you know, she said, I just didn't, well, I didn't know. It makes it real. Yeah. And I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. And she didn't know how to deal with it herself, mm-hmm. let alone, well, you don't know how you people. don't know how people are going right. to react. Uh, not that you, I don't know that I had a fear that people were going to react uh, differently or poorly. But you just don't know. You don't, and it's you don't know what to say. You yeah. don't know how people are going to react. Yeah. You don't know how to kind of put that information out there. And then one day you just go, "Well, listen, this is my child, and this is who and, we are, and she is yeah. the you know the love of our lives, and and." You know, and and here she is in all her glory. Well, it's interesting because I'm sort of having the opposite situation where when Ryan was very young, it was it was almost easier to sort of explain it away. And now that he's, you know, getting older, that gap between him and his typical peers is becoming bigger. And so it's less easy to explain away. You know, why is he in a wheelchair? You know, and now he's he's with peers who are acutely aware of the differences and, and not in a bad way yeah, they at just, all. Of course they notice. Um, but kids. it's, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you explain that? How, explain you know, and, it, and it's interesting to watch my older two children, like how do they, I don't want to say deal with it, but how do they explain this to their friends? Right. But kids are so accepting. There's, it's just Ryan. It's just my brother. That's just like, who he is. Yeah. Right. He uses a wheelchair sometimes. It's all right. No big deal. And that has sort of, reinvigorated my soul you know and that means so much to me to to be able to to expose other you know 
it sounds funny saying that out loud, but it, I think it's really important. And inclusion is so important. And it doesn't just benefit the child with special needs. It benefits the entire village. And all the kids are going are gonna to be better for it. And I, I really believe that. Well, you know, we know that anecdotally, but there's also the research that supports just what you said. And, you know, we we made the decision when Elizabeth was six to, to move because we wanted to uh, have an educational experience for her that was truly inclusive. And she's been fully included, you know, every year. And, you know, we're going to continue to, you know, work for that. Because she needs to be with her peers. And like you mentioned, her her peers need to have mm-hmm. her with her. I mean, how else will, you know, these kids become accepted if not through, you know, working together, living together, playing together? Yeah. And like you said, if it's just always been that way and it's like, oh, that's Elizabeth. You know, mm-hmm. that's right. It's just that's who they are and the kids don't. But if it's kind of like all of a sudden, you know, if the kids aren't used to that at all, then it would kind of mm-hmm. seem, you know, to them. But, but now they're just like, oh, you know, they don't think anything of mm-hmm. it. And it's, they shouldn't. It's so important that we yeah. kind of bring all, all kids together. Yeah. And I was talking to another mom today and her, she has a son with special needs and we were just talking a little bit and she said, you know, she said, um, one of the things she said was that kids, when they see her son, um, she said they're always like enamored, you know, if she's mm-hmm. out in public and she said, I like that. Like, I think it's sweet. It's just, they're just kind of like enamored. And she said, adults, on the other hand, she said, it seems like, um, you know, they're kind of a little bit more oblivious. Like they don't, you know, and I said, do you think they are oblivious because like on purpose, like they don't, they don't know how to deal with it. Maybe they feel awkward. So they just try to, you know, and she said, I don't know, but it just seems like they, they kind of like ignore him or ignore the situation. And she said, I love to talk about my son. Mm-hmm. And she said, so some people shy away from asking about him because she, they think maybe she, it's hard for her, whatever she goes, but that's my favorite thing is when someone asks me about him. So she's like, I would just like, you know, everyone to know, like, do ask. I love mm-hmm. to talk about him. Right. Well, I think like, back yeah. to, you know, I, you know, when I was in school, we we were never uh, in classes with students with special needs. You know, they were completely segregated in, you know, elementary, middle school, high school, college, whatever the case may be. And so as an adult, I didn't have exposure to it's a good a, point. Yeah, I kids didn't or other adults w- with special needs. And so I, I don't know that I would have... I don't not I don't want to say I wouldn't have felt comfortable. That's maybe not the right word, but it would have been not as easy as it is for me now to just to to you know talk to anybody and particularly somebody adult or a, or a child with special needs mm-hmm. uh, because of the experiences I've been through. And I I I think deep down inside that oftentimes that can be the case with adults where maybe they haven't had maybe experience or exposure and they're maybe not quite sure exactly what to say. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, they're how, not or how trying to, to be offensive or anything. It's just they, like you said, they don't know what to say. So, like, oh, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to offend someone or say yeah. the wrong thing. Sure, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break um, to hear from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back and continue talking with you both. For the one in five children who have learning differences like dyslexia and attention deficits like ADHD. Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their potential. Serving students in grades K through 12 from more than 80 communities throughout Northeast Ohio, 
Lawrence School empowers students who learn differently by accepting and affirming the diverse ways they learn, supporting them through their academic journey, and motivating them to excel beyond what they would believe imaginable. The result of these approaches is that students who previously struggled in the classroom are suddenly engaged, motivated, and confident in their ability to be successful learners. Discover the many ways we are reimagining school at www.lawrenceschool.org or by calling 440-526-0717. Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. Okay, and we are back talking with Dan and Megan. We're just continuing our conversation, um, parenting children with special needs. So thank you guys again for being here. I'm enjoying talking you. to you You're so far. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing that, uh, you know, my friend mentioned and then Cinder mentioned this also is just that there's such a huge um, difference in, you know, when you think of special needs, you know, it's like I don't think people realize what a wide range that truly is. So someone, you know, if you say they have special needs or if thinking about in school or whatever, just the the wide range. Of you know? course, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. and I mean, you, you've talked about it, Megan, um, with your the particular diagnosis that your child has, how it can manifest itself mm. in a lot of different ways. And, you know, whether we're talking about the autism spectrum or Down syndrome or whatever it might be, they, these children are as unique as the three of us. And, and I think it's, it's important that we, that we, you know, we accept them as their unique, you know, individual beings and, um, and appreciate them for that. Mm. And, and try to really understand that we need to move beyond, a, you know, maybe a stereotype mm -hmm. or you know, something like that, because they, this it is it's very very different from from one child to another. Right. Yeah. And, and even you know, if my son, I think it's pretty obvious um, now that he's seven that he does have special needs. He's nonverbal. Um, he does walk, but also uses a wheelchair. So it's it's sort of um, sort of obvious to meet him that. That there are some special needs going on, but you know, I I have the opportunity to work with a lot of kids on the autism spectrum, and not it's not always obvious. You know, they sometimes refer to it as an invisible disability, uh, and so I think that's where people really are challenged with acceptance and inclusion. Right, if it's and not automatically expecting maybe more from mm -hmm. that child. If it's not as obvious, Correct. you know, and then yeah. it's like, you know, or even if you're out in public, you know, expecting more. And then it's like, no, 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 they're, you know, just because you don't, you don't right. see it right away. Yeah, that's something too. And she also mentioned, though, that the rules and the laws and all these kind of things, I didn't think about this at all. She said, just changing so much to keep up with, you know, all of those kind of things, mm -hmm. you know, especially thinking of schooling and things like that. I'm like, I didn't think about, you know, that. It's another thing you kind of have to keep up with. Absolutely. While I would always love for there to be more emphasis on helping, you know, kids and adults with special needs, a lot has changed, you know, for for the better. And, you know, as parents, we have to, you know, we have to stay up on that because it can affect, you know, benefits or services that they get, uh, whether they're young or even into a, uh, adulthood. And, you know, and as teachers too, I, you know, we've got to be aware of that as well. And it is a kind of a to in my opinion, a rapidly changing landscape, and I think, I think in in mostly for the good. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true, and that's good. Yeah, I bet it. I would imagine it would be very easy to feel kind of lonely 
a lot of times maybe as a parent or maybe maybe in the past. I mean, hopefully not. But or just, you know, even like Cinder said that, you know, until she started really getting involved in different areas and she felt, of course, you know, it's just it's only me or it's a small population. And then once she really kind of put herself out there and got involved with some different things and, you know, advocate for things, she really was like, wow, there's you know, I'm not alone. And it, it was a good feeling, you know, she said. I, I can definitely relate with that. Um, there are only about 2,000 documented cases of CDKL5 in the world. So isolating, I you know, that's a very isolating number when you think about uh, the population. And I will say that I'm so grateful for social media because that gave me a community immediately. You know, and, it, and it's it's wonderful, you know, and I certainly have had opportunities with parents who have children with special needs with different diagnoses, but it's not the same. Then, you know, to be able to talk to somebody who has a child with CDKL5, you know, whether that be on the phone or, you know, over Facebook, I mean, that was a real game changer for me, too. Um, you know, ultimately, when we first got the diagnosis, and of course, you're Googling and you're, course, you know, doing all this, right. and, and you sort of see... <laughs> The worst of the worst. And I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, I don't know how we're ever going to overcome this. Um, but ultimately, you know, then you then you start to sort of build your community and build your family. And some of my best friends today are, you know, mothers, parents of other children with CDKL5. And one lives in Wadsworth, one lives in, you know, Texas and Arizona. And so they're, you know, it, but it's just amazing to me. Um, and I'm so grateful for social media for that reason. Uh, because it really gave us instant connections. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's important to to get connected. And, you know, we're fortunate in Northeast Ohio that we have the upside of Downs. And we were connected to them within a matter of a couple of weeks. And they said, when you're ready, then we're here. And it took Lynn and I, you know, a, a little while to to become ready for that. Because you do or I should say I did, unfortunately, spend a lot of time on the Internet late at night when I couldn't sleep. And, boy, it's... it's Grim. It's grim. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> please don't do that. Yeah, just stay away. <laughs> right. Stay away. <laughs> but, but then you begin to reach out and get connected, and you meet some amazing people, and you develop these amazing friendships. And... To go back to what I mentioned earlier about these home movies, well, then, then you now you have the ability, you know, you start. Ma- I was able to start making those home movies again, and I realized, you know what, they're not all that different than what they were originally. A little bit different, sure. Some are happening a little bit later in life sure. than a little bit earlier, but they're still happening, and you still have you just replaced them with right, just a new yeah. version of the home movie. Yeah, it, it can That's be cool. it can be lonely. I, I you know, I, I won't deny that, and I think there are times where. Um, it's, it, you can, str- at least for us, anyhow, can kind of maybe struggle, you know, making new connections with folks because it's probably more us than than anybody else. But you know, sometimes it can it can be a little bit lonely, and that's where you, when, when those occasions occur, got to dive out into that that community and and let them be there to support you. Well, and I think it's so important that. As a family, we don't stop doing all the things we would be doing if if Ryan were typical. Not only do I have two other kids, but, right. you know, it, to me, Ryan is just a kid. I mean, yes, certain things are much more difficult for us to do, um, but we still do them. And I think 
that's what's important is that, you know, we're we're out and showing other families that he's just a kid and it's just, you know, just He's still enjoying yeah. all these things yeah. that, you know And it's so important your other um, kids do. Yeah. Yeah. To to just continue that. And I think um the diagnosis, if nothing else, really put things into perspective for me. And I'm sure you probably feel the same way, Dan. It um just what's really important, you know, in the smallest moments mean more than more than anything um, in the grand scheme of things. I, I agree completely. We, the, the, I, I guess I never could have imagined the amount of laughter that, that occurs, you know, in, in our house on a, on a you know, daily basis. It's, uh, it really is a, a blessing. What's your favorite thing about Elizabeth? Speaking of that, just, yeah, what oh would you say? I know, <laughs> you don't have to pick just one or, you know. You know, I think, I think, I think it's her sense of humor. You know, Megan and I can both talk about all of the amazing qualities of you know of our of our kids, but um, Elizabeth has got a, just a great sense of humor, and the girl loves to laugh and loves to tell jokes. And my kind of girl, exactly. And, <laughs> and we tease each other, and um, you know, and and get laugh, just get laughing. Just before I came here today. Um, I was getting ready and you know she's over there hiding underneath a blanket and ready you know trying to scare me and all that you know and I can hear her laughing underneath <laughs> oh the blanket you know? so cute. <laughs> so cute. it is so I, that's probably my favorite thing all right how about what's your favorite thing about Ryan oh it's so hard um mm-hmm. two things one he's stubborn as stubborn <laughs> as the day is long and it has served him well um he, you can't. I think his mama is too a little bit. Well, and that's good. Too, yeah, I think John would agree with you on that. Um, but yeah, he's very stubborn and he never gives up. Um, you know, it, it's sort of, I, and I'm guessing, of course, because he is nonverbal, but I think he just, you know, he hears these things that are, or experiences things that are difficult for him. And he just, he really is stubborn and persistent and, and keeps going until he figures it out. Um, and I remember the other thing. Um, He's nonverbal, but he is amazingly communicative. And that to me has been amazing to watch, you know, for him to figure out how to get his point across without the words. And the other night, you know, I, I could tell he was kind of getting sleepy and I was being a little lazy. And he got up and he walked over where I had a, I just folded some laundry and he picked up his pajamas and he walked over to me like, lady hello <laughs> it <Yeah>. is time <laughs> to go to bed so you know those kinds of things just right. really you know it's he's like, all right, totally communicating with you don't you. always yeah. need words you know right you get your point across. and i'm sure he has probably i'm imagining with his siblings kind of oh, like a language yes. you know you, kind yes. of going on yeah <laughs> absolutely yes it's- what advice would you guys give to other parents maybe they're Maybe they have, you know, are just realizing, just finding, you know, their child, especially, or maybe not even, you know what I mean? But just like kind of what would you say would your best kind of pieces of advice be for other parents? Find your village. Needs? Okay. Find your village Find and your village. look for the silver linings because they're there. You just have to really sometimes look for them a little harder um, than others. But Ryan made me a better person. He makes everybody around him a better person. Um, and I'm so grateful for that really grateful that I was picked to be his mother so find the silver linings it's it's they're there and if you focus on the negative that's how your life will be I I don't think I could have said it better (laughs) yeah it it really is it really is about the the silver linings the joy 
and and just and being open to that yeah. and uh, your kids are so blessed to have you both and I, I truly truly mean that because you know they're they're you're a huge part of why they're so amazing well you thank know, you but you I, have, I and think your spouses Meg yeah. and I probably both agree that it's it's really kind the of the other yeah, way we're, around we're, yeah, right and you see it that way tr- which is that mean that's the whole <laughs> that's my whole point right there that's my whole point right there and I know Megan you do um a lot of, you know, you do like a run, right? Mm-hmm. You do a lot of, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that kind of stuff that you yeah, do. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so I'm on the board for the International Foundation for CDKL5 Research. Um, but even before that, my husband and I, I'm, well, I'm kind of a doer. I kind of just, you know. We, think, we, we can tell, we yes. Need to, <laughs> I need to do something about this. And so, you know, we got his diagnosis and marinated with it for a little while and, you know, came up for air a little bit and, I just looked at my husband and I said, we got to do something. Like, I can't just sit here and not do something. And so um, that's how Strides for Starfish was born. And um, it's a 5K and a one-mile fun run. We just did our fifth um, this summer. And um, looking forward to the sixth next year as well. And so that's just a fundraiser that we do for for, char- um, for the charity for research. Um, but just something that's so important to us to, you know, yes, it is about the money, but it's about um just awareness, awareness as well, yeah. because it's such a rare diagnosis. Um, and it's become, quickly became my favorite day of the year. I mean, it surpasses my birthday and Christmas, which is saying <laughs> a lot. Um, but there's just something so amazing about being surrounded by people that love your child um, and that support your family. And to watch it has grown every year um, and to just see that grow over, you know, it's just it's really um it keeps me going, honestly. Is there like a Facebook page on it or anything like that? Like how could someone find out about it? There, There is from year to year. It's okay. um, we, we update it every year. Uh, it's typically in July, the second Saturday in July. Okay. Um, we've had it at Acacia in Beachwood. Mm-hmm. Strides uh, for Starfish. Strides for Starfish, okay. yeah. All right. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank you. And Dan, you, I'm looking at this box here in front of me. So tell us about your boxes. Pretty cool. Well, well first off, Lynn and I have been involved with the Upside of Downs of Greater Cleveland, you know, since, you know, basically Elizabeth has been born and they're an amazing organization. But uh, just this past year, uh, my business partner and I, um, actually a friend and I who also has a son with Down syndrome, um, we're talking about kind of the future and what what will be the future for our children. And we we wanted something different for our kids. And, and lots of things are changing. There are college programs now for kids with special needs uh, that are popping up um, you know more and more around the country. But a lot of a lot of our kids um, are kind of, I would say pigeonholed. You know, there's there's not a lot of opportunity for them. But then you see these um, amazing young people who have these businesses that are selling amazing products, whether they're, you know, uh, food items, artwork, jewelry, whatever it might be. And he came up with the idea. He said, somehow this is what we need to do. We need to promote this as a vehicle for these kids as they get older, they be, to become entrepreneurs, start their own business, because it's out there and there are you know people being successful at it. And uh, so he came up with the idea, said, "What about a subscription box?" And you know those are kind of all the yeah, rage these popular, days, right? right? He said, but then we talked about. It. He said, "Well, you know, our twist would be 
everything that's in the subscription box would be made by an individual with special needs or even a group. And so we spent months over the summer kind of researching it and trying to figure it out. And we said, let's do it. And not sure, you know, what would happen and where it would go, but um, it's called Unbox Ability. So kind of a play on words there. And it's a subscription box service. And each month is a different theme. Um, you know, in July, it was personal care products. In August, it was food. Uh, um, uh, this month, it's um, uh, uh, handmade cards and journals. And we try to put a, a logo item in there each month as well. And the idea is we, we want to, well, we really want to do a couple of things. We want to drive business to these entrepreneurs. So each box comes with a bio card that has all their contact information on it and a little bit about who they are. So if you like something in there, you can go directly and buy it. So we're trying to, trying to push business to them. And then secondly, ultimately what we'd like to do is, you know, this, have this take off and spur others to, to start their own businesses as well. We have other ideas down the road, but we've got to take care of first things first. But, you know, our mission statement is to redefine what's possible. And that's what we're hoping to do. I love that. And so it's we're Facebook, Unboxability. Yeah, Twitter, so Unboxability on Facebook yep. or Unboxability.com, or you have a Facebook page also. People exactly. want to order them. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it's thank such you. a great, yeah. It's such a great idea. Um, both of them. And so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my subscription actually oh, tonight. So you oh, can hold me to that. <laughs> All right, thank you very <laughs> Gotta much. Write that down. I'm doing that. Well, I wanna thank you both so much for being here. It was great and I just I learned a lot and you both are, are you're both amazing people and your hearts are just you have such great hearts and um, so thank you so much for sharing. I think it's gonna help um, you know, a lot of other parents out there for sure and then in turn the kids so thank you both so much for being here thanks thank you this episode has been sponsored by lawrence school where great minds don't think alike for the one in five children who have learning differences and attention deficits lawrence school is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their true potential discover more at lawrenceschool.org thank you for listening to apparently speaking listen and subscribe on itunes google play and podbean find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email any comments or suggestions to podcast at northeastohioparent.com.